We are Limerick Treaty Suicide Prevention and you are listening to our Life is for Living podcast. We are a group of volunteers who patrol the banks and the bridges of the River Shannon in County Limerick. We do this on a day and nightly basis in the hopes of helping people who are feeling distressed or suicidal. We've created this podcast to make people aware that your mental health is a priority. We've got some fantastic people on board to speak about their own mental health journey and the ways they've decided to overcome it. Now is the time to put you as a priority. And this is why we've created this podcast to ensure that you understand it is okay not to be okay and to ask for help if you feel like things are getting out of hand. Sit back, grab a cup of coffee, Go for a walk, put the headphones in, and we hope you enjoy some of the incredible people we have on board. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to our Life is for Living podcast by LTSP. Firstly, before I kick off this episode, I just want to say a huge thank you to every single person who tunes into these episodes. It's actually quite mind-blowing to think that we have people listening from all over the world, Never in a million years would I've anticipated that this would have happened, but it's phenomenal to think that we've listeners from Australia, the US, UK, Luxembourg, Poland, Russia, Spain. I'm literally just reading these off the list here now, but it's just crazy. And I just want to say a huge thank you because all of you that are listening are the reason we are sharing these episodes. When we've released episodes, we're getting outpouring messages of support from people saying that it's exactly what they needed to hear today, that they're in awe of the person they've just heard, be it from Pat Dively sharing his tips on mindfulness and meditation, be it Stephen, the anxious barber, sharing how he asked for help, or even just be it this episode today, where we have a fantastic, young, admirable person who's just 19 years of age, who set up Dublin Homeless Awareness. All of these stories are for the good of you all listening today. Even if you are not suffering right now, it just educates you. It puts the thoughts into your head about how you could help someone that you might know that's going through this. But even if you are struggling today and you are listening to this, then please know it's okay not to be okay and ask for help. Because at the end of the day, your life is gonna be so much better when you ask for help. This episode today is from Brandon. Brandon is 19 years of age. I'm going to say this numerous times throughout the podcast because it's actually incredible. Brandon set up Dublin Homeless Awareness in 2018 after struggling um, with addiction in his family. Brandon openly talks about it, so um, it's okay to speak about it here. But he speaks about how he knew that this type of a service was badly needed. And I won't give too much away because this story is just fantastic and it's going to be a good boost. Um, We're releasing it on a Friday evening, so it sets you up for the weekend and put in the headphones, sit back, relax, and I hope you enjoy it. Um, So I'm from Donamaid in North Dublin. Um, I'm 19 years old at the moment. Um, When I set up Dublin Homes Awareness, I was 16. Oh my God. Uh, I was in transition year. Um, I remember because we were testing out different subjects and we we're doing politics and I remember the politics teacher saying if you do it about something that you're passionate about or something that's affected you in the past you'll, you'll be more inclined to, to pass the exam so um, I kind of I thought about it there was a lot of different kind of subjects everyone else was doing um, and I was thinking kind of about addiction and homelessness because uh, that's kind of been in the family since I've been young so um, I was kind of thinking about will, will it this affect my mental health doing it? You know, mm. will I be able to to cope? Like, because it's going to bring up a lot of stuff from the past. Um, but then I went ahead with it. Um, I started off with the homelessness part. Um, because kind of the addiction part was kind of a bit sensitive to me. Yeah. Um, so I started the homeless part, and we're looking at um when we set up Dublin Homeless Awareness, our initial goal was to help families around the Kilock area in emergency accommodation. So we went and we set up um, with another group. We set up a, a Christmas party for uh, travellers and uh, people in emergency accommodation. And then we went on to do an Easter egg hunt, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, family events. And then when the, we were, I done my projects for that, then for the politics project. And then I went into kind of the addiction part of it because part of the project was to say why, why 
why you want to do this. So I kind of went into the addiction part then because my mother was always a drug addict when I was growing up. So okay. um, that's what I kind of put in the project and that's kind of why it came across uh, to be that project as something that I'm kind of passionate about. That's tough. That's tough. Um, that's tough to bring that along with you having um, a difficult background growing up. But look at you now, like the organization you've created, yeah. it's fantastic. Tell us about yeah, the organization and like um, how you got the young people involved. Yeah, so definitely. So in transition year, kind of everyone was kind of, they, they, they were very understanding of why I was doing it because I kind of, I did explain the reasons why. Yeah. And uh, I, I have noticed that it's a, a lot more easier to talk about the kind of addiction um, and the kind of the past at the moment like i am i am getting help with mental health at the moment because of it that's good um, but it did come up in january Um, i did go through kind of a bit of a mental health crisis because of everything um but, but basically they were very understanding of it and there was kind of five or six people that wanted to get involved so basically we went and we looked at who was the bottom of the chain so worst sleeper is obviously the bottom of the chain so we done a, a sleep out here in donamade mm-hmm. in 2018 got immense support from that from local businesses and stuff so 20 people slept out of that um, and that's kind of how the ball got rolling we got good recognition then from the Lord Mayor so we were invited to the mansion house then at the end of 2018 um, and then we had a volunteers appreciation night there were a couple of different organisations we linked in with them different organisations mm-hmm. and then the kind of the ball got rolling then and then a lot of young people see that their mate is kind of volunteering so I'll volunteer or I definitely know a lot of the volunteers are they've the same as me have addiction and uh, homelessness affected them in the past. Like for example, we have some of the volunteers that won't go into the city centre, but they'll set up kind of the field and stuff because their mother or father is in the city centre homeless and they don't want to bump into them. That's how kind of bad it's got, yeah. Mm, that's very sad. Like, yeah, it's very sad. I think they they don't want to go in just in case mm. they bump into them, you know. But they do. They're great at setting up stuff but that's kind of there's a different aspects of it and um, like there's 25 volunteers at the moment and we started off with six so it's kind of gone up and um, there's a list of uh, a waiting list of 200 people that's to amazing get in. that's amazing yeah um so there's three different teams we're in the in the organization so there's the the street team that hand out food and clothes and hygiene packs so they're just basic, basic normal volunteers i hate to say normal but yeah i know what you <laughs> right? mean yeah Regular volunteers to hand out field clothes. Basically, they're the kind of the heart of the organization, kind of to hand out the essential supplies. Then, six months ago, um, the psycho response team was set up. So, basically, we're the first organization in uh, the south of Ireland to set up the psycho response team for homeless. So, basically, it's just bags in the back of bikes. We bring field essential supplies to them um, on two wheels, basically. Um, but the, the handy part with that is we can get into parks and kind of places that mm-hmm. a van couldn't because I know a lot of organisations have man, uh, vans and minibuses but we can kind of get into the down yeah. the beaches and stuff and kind of get to them uh, as quick as possible then when we set up the psych response team that kind of led into a walking team so that's at the moment that's called a response team mm-hmm. so basically the two lads that uh, set up the psych response team were four stage trained so they wear the, their tactical vests where um, everything basically in them forced aid supplies and stuff like that so the response team was set up from then and basically the response team is now uh there's 10 members of that response team and then a team leader as well so what they'll do is they'll patrol the city center and the, the boardwalk and kind of highlighted spots that where homeless people are and they'll try to book them into hostels and basically if anything comes up uh medical related if anyone needs kind of basic forest aid we'll treat them as well because I know there is a lot of assaults in the mm. city centre at the moment. That there's a lot of, definitely in the last two weeks anyway, there's a lot of self-harm happening in the city centre as well that people need treatment for. We're seeing a so lot of that as well. Like a self-harm is a big thing at the moment and it's actually uh, coming a massive crisis for young people. Um, yeah. So, so definitely a lot of people seeing the RTE thing, mm. uh, the documentary on RTE. So basically when RT were filming that we were walking um, on Liffey Street and basically they were just filming away and we were just walking and the fellow walked past and said I'm going to throw myself into the Liffey. Mm. So basically we had to run after him and basically one of the volunteers was on front of him and trying to calm him down and he, he pulled up his top, I remember he pulled up his top and he had cuts across his chest and belly 
Jesus. And he was saying, I'm, I'm a paranoid schizophrenic, don't touch me. I'm Morty, basically. So basically we got in contact with the guards. But when he pulled up his top, the back of his top came up. Basically had a blade in him. So any kind of weapon, if any commerce presence kind of weapon we find it, we have to withdraw and we have to yeah. just call the guard. And um, but basically luckily luckily enough, he crossed the bridge, went to the bar and he didn't carry out what he was intending to do. Um, but then the guards went searching for him then and I'm not too sure what happened after that. But that's just example like where they're where they're RT and then it just kicks off. You just don't know what's gonna happen. No. Uh, like we don't we don't ever use the Q word in the city centre, but sometimes it is. And it but then sometimes you're literally job to job, you're running from kind of instant to instant, you know. Mm-hmm. Um so it's important that I have a, a full response team in there that if anything did kick off that we do have backup and we do have support there. We do have great support from the guards and great support from Double Fire we get as well. Um, for for the work we do and it definitely do help us a lot of what we do. Mm. That's great though that you have that support within the different organisations. We're the same, which we we would be heavily reliant like on the guards and stuff like that. Because as you know yourself, when you deal with an intervention, like there's only so much you can go with it. You can only get them help, and you need to call the guards to do that or an ambulance. Like there's only so much that we can do. Um, but how are you funded? Like, are you are you are you given great funding, or do you rely on on donations from from people? So, for example, with the stay response team, only set up six months ago. So three months into that. And um, responsive means that we were struggling mm. with um, medical supplies. So we put out a appeal, got great, great response from the appeal. A lot of nurses, a lot of doctors got in contact and donated a lot of bandages and to from hospitals. We have no funding at the moment whatsoever. So basically, all the best that you see that the volunteers are wearing, they pay for themselves. Um, and all the, if we were low on equipment, we'll pay for ourselves as well. But at the moment we're doing, we have two events coming up. We're doing a hike for homelessness last year, so we're doing another one of them. And now we're doing a sleep out for homelessness. But we're not raising any kind of money for that. That's just to raise awareness mm. um, for homeless people. Um, the sleep out, well, we're definitely looking forward to because we're, we're trying to get as many young people engaged in that as possible. Uh, because over the last four weeks, we've seen a lot, a lot of kind of um, young people attacking homeless people in the city centre. Um, I witnessed it myself. Um, we're in the city centre, and we were dealing with um, a seventy-one-year-old homeless man who broke his wrist. Mm-hmm. And we were waiting on the, the ambulance to come. There was only two of us on that night, and we heard shouting around the corner. I ran around the corner, and I seen two two young lads basically beating the crap out of this homeless fella. I chased him up the street, came around the corner, and there was about eighty of them on bikes. Just with poles and baseball oh bats. God. So they said, get out of there. Mm-hmm. Basically, we end up engaging with them youths and basically tell them what we were doing. Um, they were in there basically having a gang fight, but it kind of just stayed. It never happened, so they just decided to take out homeless people. We were talking to um, the, the youths then for about 10 minutes. So we went back around to the fella that we were waiting on the ambulance for, 71-year-old, and because um, we had to withdraw from him to go around and help him collect. And then we went around and the guards were there and we said, um, how come you have been called out to this? And mm-hmm. the guard, I remember the guard said to me, look at, look at his face. And basically the 71 year old man was um, beaten senseless while we left for the 10 minutes. So they basically went around, better crap out of him to distract us. And it's just kind of, it's just kind of, there's no, there's no aim of why they're doing it. It's just literally beat the crap out of his fella and put up on TikTok. That's that, basically, that's what it is. Yeah. Social media is becoming an awful problem. And in that sense, like the work that you are, you guys are doing at such a young age, like if only we could get the rest of the young people to do this and just raise some bit of awareness around it. Like you obviously give up an awful lot of your, your time every single day. Yeah, I, it is, it is a kind of, um, F you your face like you know when you're yeah. putting in so much time and someone's beating the crap out of someone like this this isn't uh, just some homeless person that's sitting in a, in a sleeping bag this is this is michael this is john yeah. that we, we talk to week in week out you know this is this is i wouldn't say our friend but this is one of the people that we know like you know mm. it's not some random where you're beating up this is someone that we deal with that we're trying to to get into it into a house or trying to get into rehab and then you're there kind of beating them up like you know it's mm. kind of thrown back in our face and for all the work we do there's no really sense around it it's kind of just something that yeah we see it here too in limerick so it's not something that it's not just happening in dublin it's happening all over the place i don't know why but um in that sense too like in terms of the homeless crisis in dublin tell us 
tell us what it's actually like. Like, is it really bad at the moment or how would you rate it? So it's, it's really, really bad at the moment. Like on Hennish, not to be sure if you're familiar with Dublin, but on Hennish at the moment, there's 27 tents with four people in each. So that's how bad it's got. And there's tents everywhere. Uh, that's good to know actually because to, we short the donations for tents and organisations were struggling to get tents. But we can get them now. And, but, and that's kind of reflecting. Their donate, people donating tents is definitely reflecting how many people is in the city centre. They're just seeing so many tents. Yeah. All over the place, you know, um, and that's just on Henry Street, that's in the middle of the city centre. So there's a lot of other people that are scared to be in the city centre that are hidden in parks and stuff like that. So we do a thing called Operation Park Watch where we get we get two minibuses full of volunteers and we'll hit the parks and beaches just to kind of help them people out because some of them are scared to kind of come into the city centre. Yeah. Um, and some of them owe, owe drug money as well, so they don't want to be seen or stuff like that. Um, so that's what Operation Park was, is we hit the different parks, but we only be doing that kind of on a monthly basis because obviously funding is low and money buses don't, uh, mini buses don't come cheap, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, so we kind of, that's we only do that monthly, so that'll be coming up next month now. And then we'll, we'll do a survey, but we do a survey as well to see how many people is in the parks. And um, there's definitely a lot more people availing of hostels, so but there's that few that won't as well because there's bullying and harassment going on in hostels as well. Is there space in the hostels though? Like, uh, is there a capacity for all the homeless people in the hostels? Hundred percent, hundred percent. Um, yeah, I would. There's definitely a mix that there's not enough beds. There's definitely enough beds out there. Um, we we booked them through the Simon to Dublin Simon community. Okay. And basically, there's definitely enough beds there. Um, but there's just people not availing them because I think definitely something needs to be looked into. The two things that need to be looked into is the condition of these hostels, which no organisation will look into. Because if they find any kind of evidence of neglect or stuff like that, the hostel will automatically be shut down. So that's what kind of the fear is, that they want to be shutting hostels down. And then the second thing is when when someone is released from prison, like where are they told to go? Like there's no, there's definitely, I definitely remember on the Mount Joy um, documentary that there was, um, there was a story about they have to, they have to have accommodation before they leave in prison. But I definitely don't believe that. I definitely think they're just thrown out into the streets and told to go to a hostel. Yeah. And um, they're getting no housing support at all. And that is, there's a lot of people that, that are on the streets just out of prison, they've nowhere to go. And then kind of that will, like being homeless will affect your mental health, you know? Of course. A yeah. lot. Yeah. And we see a lot of, say, we deal with, obviously, we deal with, we would help the homeless people as well, obviously, if we see someone without a tent or without um basic equipment we will we will be able to source one for them like but not like we don't straight away we have to go and ring for it yeah. and look for it but in terms of say suicide now would you would you watch out for people who are distressed along the river would it, are you specifically yeah. do, do homelessness definitely um we, we, we've come across people that have been like we the other night we had a 16 year old um uh and basically it wasn't even a hostel it was a house beside a hostel she self-harmed to her wrist so we had to we had to basically, she was so scared for the ambulance and guards to come that we basically, we, we walked her to the hospital and uh, she was seen then. Unfortunately, she was discharged and we found her up the river an hour an hour later um, and then we had to bring her back to the hospital. And she's definitely kind of a regular now of ours. That mm-hmm. was two weeks ago. Um, so she's definitely a regular. Um, but I definitely think there's enough support out there for mental health. Um, but I think some people are just kind of scared for asking and kind of, some people seem to be educated of, yeah. you know, it's okay to ask for help, you know. Mm, yeah, definitely. And yourselves in that sense, like, given the fact that you deal with such, you know, people in such despair, like, do you find mental health a major role in your volunteering? Um, yeah, definitely. We have we have a council in place now at the moment. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard. I'm trying to get SISM in place, critical incident stress management for the volunteers. So basically, if they've seen any kind of... Um, Distress incident that they could rely on that, and the, t- the, the response team anyway is definitely a very strong kind of unit. Like they pull, pull together when there's an incident, and they're very close as well. So we kind of help each other out when we do do or something that's serious, you now like a, like a homeless juvenile or something like that. Like it's very hard, and it's definitely very hard on your, on your mental health when you're seeing John from two years ago walking yeah. down the street, and he's still walking down the street. Like you now, why why is he why isn't he going in anywhere? So much you can help people, you can get them into rehab, but that's the main they'll stay there, you know. And um, so that can affect your mental health as well, like you know. 
I don't think it matters what age you are um, when you're dealing with these type of situations. It can impact you in so many different ways. But definitely that we do ourselves, LTSP, we find a lot like obviously there's counselling available, but we find that by talking to each other helps more because that person understands what you're going through. Whereas yeah. you've gone, you that person could have gone through this a week ago, so you can react and learn from each other. Um, whereas you could be talking to your own friend, say that doesn't actually deal with suicide prevention or homelessness awareness or anything like that, and they might not, may not know how to help you because they don't actually know what you're going through. Um, mm. But yeah, definitely talking is probably one of the best therapies in these type of situations. Um, yeah, for sure. Like. But yourself, Brandon, like like you're taking an awful lot on yourself at such a young age. Like, um, where do you see yourself going with this in the future? What would you like to do to improve this right now if someone could give you the funding to do it? Um, so basically, get, kind of get stable with the local businesses and say that like, we have um, reliable donations because the donations are coming from different people every week so kind of we'll have local businesses that we can go to like and they'll give us this and then one day they'll give us this and Thursday that we can rely on it and basically we're in our first phase now of registering the charity and so to hopefully register the charity and to get a committee in in the charity of trustees that basically that if I ever had to leave the organization that it could be kept going because um, I'm doing a pre-paramedic course at the moment, so hopefully in September I'll be going on to the University of Limerick. Wow, we'll see you <laughs> so, down there. <laughs> yeah, do paramedic science, so basically I won't, I won't have enough time not yeah. to the charity. Obviously you have enough time when there's a lockdown and everything, um, but I won't have enough time. I always won't be able to run the charity. Yeah. I'll have to take a step back. Um, but I definitely know the team at the moment. They, they will be able to look after it and stuff, you know, so... Um, then kind of hopefully I want to look at the response team definitely does kind of try to cover the, the river Liffey and the kind of hotspots for self-harm and suicide but kind of to get a mental health team because that's what we're seeing mm. a lot of mental health and the kind of get a mental health team on like as as kind of part of the organization and because mental health is a big big thing for us now that we've seen so we're kind of that I want to get a team that's dedicated to supporting people with mental health and mm. um, what I find definitely is is very very struggling, and basically for myself as well. I've been in A and E plenty of times with me mental health. Is that if you go in at twelve o'clock at night or eleven o'clock at night, you're sitting in a chair waiting to see the psych team till nine o'clock in the morning, and if you have suicidal thoughts and you're sitting there in the hospital, that's not going to go very well for you. And no. um, you know it's not going to go very well. I definitely think there should be psych teams on. I know there is psych teams on for emergencies, but I think there should be psych teams on and more support for mental health. And basically, coming coming from my own kind of personal experience, I've been in A&E over 20 times over my mental health. And only in January, I was, um, basically, I went into the city centre and basically intending to take my own life. Um, But by jumping in the lift feed, I was in January. I got picked up by the guards then, um, very friendly guards that I, that I knew. Um, they brought me back to the station and I seen the doctor at the station. And kind of I thought that this is kind of how the forest I've gone to take me on life. And um, kind of I went into the guard station then and I was kind of thinking to myself, I'm going to go to a and and I'm just going to discharge myself like I usually do. Yeah. Or get handed a sheet that's, that tells you how to breathe, mindfulness kind of thing. Um, but... I end up getting kind of arrested then, brought back to the station, and then I was brought back to uh, a place called the Ashland Centre here in Dublin. So that's uh, a psychiatric ward. I was in there for for a week, uh, basically on based on suicide watch, um, and then I, I'm going to counselling now three times a week, psychology, um, and then I'm on loads of medication at the moment. Hopefully, it'll be coming off that stupid window. Um, but there is support out there for mental health and like going through the system myself it's very it's helpful kind of because when you see other people you can say this is my experience like this is how i can kind of help you this is how i've dealt with things mm-hmm. it definitely is more kind of helpful you know to kind of understand what people are going through you literally are living proof of someone that's gone through the system still going through it but have had suicidal thoughts and come out the other end 
Um, yeah. So honestly, fair play to you for that, for telling us that, like, I'm sure our listeners are going to really appreciate and benefit from this because unfortunately, like mental health is something that it, nearly everyone is going through. And it's like, whether you like to admit it or not, like we all can some feel anxious, stressed, worried, you know. Um, yeah. But you have proved to show that there is support there and you can get help you just have to ask for it if, if, I, if I was to give advice to anyone like I've been to numerous guard stations and kind of um the, the hospital time those times and I've said have you got suicidal thoughts or, or um kind of thoughts of self-harm and I've said no and I've lied about what mm. I've done and I think that's why I haven't been get I haven't been gotten anywhere because kind of the said where he hasn't got suicidal thoughts you won't prioritize it but this time I remember saying to the doctor in the guard station like if I leave this guard station, I don't think I, I will. I will go home. Like you know, I think I will end up doing something to myself and being honest with him. And I think that's why I got admitted into the to sideboard because I was honest about the, my feelings and kind of the guards are very understanding. And even the guard told me a story himself when he, I remember he said that he was playing um ga and basically he broke his um leg and basically that was his. He wanted to be a ga player. Like that was mm-hmm. his career. So basically that ruined his career and he went through a really bad phase. Like, and I think. Everyone in life goes through a really bad phase. Uh, I just think that's kind of lucky that I kind of nipped it in the board at a young age, that I kind of experienced at a young age. Um, so kind of, I think that will give me the life skills kind of for the rest of my life kind of to deal with if I ever did have suicidal thoughts, thoughts of self-harm. And there's definitely enough, enough support out there. Obviously, if we're going through a tough time and tomorrow, we are coming out of it. Everywhere is starting to open back up, you know. Um, and I know definitely... It's a lot. It's very daunting for some people that have mental health issues that everything's opening back up. Like we haven't been opening back up in so long. They're kind of scared. How like how is this going to open back up? You know, I'm going to have to go into people with social anxiety and stuff. I'm going to have to go back in the crowds. I'm going to have to go back in the shops that are full of people. You know, so I definitely think everything opening back up is going to be going to affect the response team, the homes response team, and yourselves because people are very anxious about everything opening back up. You know, it's, they're not used to it. For sure, that's a big issue um, at the moment. Like a lot of people have been, you know, abiding by the rules and being locked at home in isolation, not seeing family, not seeing friends. And at, when that happens, you build up and you overthink and you think all this stuff in your head that's never going to happen. And you make yourself believe that you're, you know, like, you know, depressed, you know, and that you shouldn't be Thank here. You. The never gonna happen thing is definitely something, yeah. Like even like yeah. I've been held like that was two weeks like a year ago when we were pulling people off the bridge or, or asking people to, to come off the bridge. Like well, I never think that I'd be myself standing on the yeah. bridge, you know. Mm-hmm. Um and definitely issues with the, the kind of scariest parts that kind of scared me the most was kind of when I did kind of have them suicidal thoughts in the past, it was because I was drinking. Mm-hmm. Um but this part's like it, that day I was completely sober and kind of the feeling was I'm complete, like it was kind of like I'm intoxicated, everything was a blur, like it's kind of a blur thing back on. And it was only lucky for them guards that were driving down the case that were literally going to get coffee that they seen me standing. I wasn't even standing near the water, but I was standing on the other side of the road. And they said that fella looks kind of very distressed. And then when they jumped out of the car, I remember just kind of running for the bridge and they just caught me in and brought me back to the station. Thank God they did. Thank God they were yeah. there, right time, right place. And that's exactly how we feel on patrols too. It's you have to be in the right time, right place and try and have as many volunteers as we can out. But look at you now. Like definitely, like, we're definitely sort of like that kind of, that would upset kind of people as well. Like we only did Monday, Wednesday and Thursday at the moment. We've only took on, took on the tour day. But if they kind of, if they see something in the news of someone jumping into Liffey or a tent on fire, for example, yeah. they'll send it in group chat and say, oh my God, like we should have went in today. Like, yeah. You know, because oh, sure. like, some people want to be on 24 hours a day, you know. Our guys, we're the exact same. I can never say enough about how good our team are. Like, we're the exact same. If we see the helicopter out, the boats out, we're like, oh, my God, why weren't we here today? Um, yeah. We do um, Tuesdays, uh, th- Tuesday during the day, Wednesday night, Thursday Friday night, Saturday, Sunday, like we're there so many times. The on Monday and yeah. is the only day we're not. But like it doesn't matter. We could be out. I definitely Friday and Saturday would definitely be great for you because obviously mm-hmm. there's be a lot of people drinking in the city centre and then if they have a fight with their their, yeah. their mates, you know, that use it there to kind of support them. Because mm-hmm. obviously when you take drink on board, kind of you, the kind of analysing your thoughts definitely doesn't come into play. You just kind of think the mm-hmm. worst, and you know. 
so I definitely think that's great that you're out on a Friday and Saturday. Yeah, and I, we've actually found that the day patrols are more, are needed now more than ever because a lot of people weren't working, so they were bringing themselves out and about to go for a stroll, and then something could trigger them while they're on a stroll, and they just get distressed. So that's why we had to bring on the day patrols. But thankfully, we have amazing committed people, and you're probably the same. Like you, we have such committed people to the cause that actually want to help lives, save lives, and they're not just there for the jacket kind of a thing. Um, yeah. but that's volunteers are crucial for the whole thing. Like we need critical volunteers and volunteers that are, are willing to work and save lives with us. Um, yeah. tell us, Brandon, what you think would be solutions for the homeless crisis at the moment? Like what, what would be solutions to help to fix it? Definitely, definitely getting everyone housed isn't going to, isn't going to help. Um, you need to put supports in place like addiction, addiction supports, no point in putting it a drug addict or a, a alcoholic into our, into our house because they're just going to spend the money on, yeah. on drink or drugs, you know, um, to, to get more funding, more social housing, definitely, because um, there, there is, I think there is kind of, there is lies being said, like, this is how many social housing there is, and there's, like, for example, there's a state in this area, and there was meant to be half the apartments were social housing, and four of the apartments are social housing. Mm. Now, definitely, to be very honest, uh, with the public of how he's are doing it, um, and I definitely think uh, a big solution would be for young people to, to kind of understand the homeless crisis and addiction and uh, alcoholism. And kind of it would help so much more if, if like, if you stop and talk to that homeless person sitting out beside the shop. You don't have to buy them a sandwich. Just say hello instead of walking past them, because a lot of them are lonely in the city centre and they just want to chat to someone, and they're they're kind of. If, if a young person, <laughs> how would you put this? If a young person, a goose shack that sits down beside a homeless person and says, How are you? Are they only okay? Do you need anything? They're kind of like shocked. Like, how, like, this one is only 16 and he's like, How helpless? Even when we're like, even when we're trying to help people, they turn around like, You're only 16 or you're only a college, you're mm-hmm. only a skill, you won't understand. Um, and then they kind of realize that we do understand, you know? So, kind of, say, young, there is a kind of bad reputation for young people that. There is there is youth attacking the homeless in the yeah. city centre, but it's not every youth, you know, and it's kind of every youth being tarnished with the same brush. Mm-hmm. And it is, it's definitely that's definitely an issue. Like a lot of people, it's just a stigma. It's just I think it's just Ireland in general, like where they're just like, you know, you're too young to do this. In fact, you're not too young to do this and do that. Look at you now, like you've created a fantastic organisation and you're helping uh homeless people but but you're also making young people aware of the crisis which i don't think they yeah. really fully get in schools a lot of or, or, other organizations do what we haven't done it yet though and i think that it will kind of be very successful because we are a youth organization and it's their skill visits when they yeah. where they're strict to win the skills and basically talk about what we do and um, because some of the volunteers are in college or they're off kind of so they can go in and talk in skills so we're, we're, that's something that we'll be looking at in september is going into the skills um, the problem is that we have too many people wanting to volunteer mm. and the people that we are that are wanting to volunteer that don't have training, we have to get them training. So basically, for example, we had first aid training, which was 55 euro per person. And then another person came on from the National Armament Service and he's doing it for free. So mm-hmm. definitely um, local businesses supporting us. And for the example of RT coming on board with us that time, that helps usually like the followers went up on the page, you from the RTA and a lot more people want to donate. So if people, if the public see um, local businesses donating, they're more inclined to donate. Yes, we are a charity, um, but we do depend on donations. Like we don't get funding, yeah. you know. Like yeah. we depend on donations to buy our equipment. And uh, as you know yourself, equipment doesn't last very long. You know, like if you're using bikes, we have a bike team, we have a mobile unit, and we've walkers. But like you need you need flashlights, first aid kits, defibrillators. The list goes on. Yeah. What you need, and that all costs money. Definitely, definitely. medical supplies, like bandages and yeah. plasters. Not we we fly through them like oh, the, yeah. the people like it's not just kind of cuts and bruises. The people ulcers and different kind of things that we need them for. So that's why we would be putting up a PL. I literally put up a PL after this podcast now yeah. to look for medical supplies um, and for field donations. So that's the big thing we'll be looking for. Like. Um, and the forced aid kits as well, that they're extremely important. And um, hopefully in the future, we'll be looking to get a defibrillator um, on the bikes that if we ever needed that. But the, the way we do it at the minute is the local businesses in the city centre have the defibrillator. So we'll just run to the local business okay. and get the defibrillator. 
that's handy yeah. isn't it actually that's handy yeah we normally would have one walking around with us but that's actually very handy to know that too that you have that yeah it's, it's quicker on the, the cyber response team would basically go get the defibrillator prayer. we never had to use the defibrillator but they go get anyway if there was an unconscious patient that we we'd have it beside us and then the training coming out with the national ambulance service as well we'll be looking to get naloxone training so that's basically the adrenaline for overdoses that's a life-saving thing but some people go into respiratory arrest and their, their, their hearts are beating, but they're not breathing for themselves. Nanoloxone will bring them around until the ambulance comes. Um, so that's a, that's another part of the training that we'll need. Um, and then definitely we, we need to be recognised as a kind of a charity as well, you know. Yeah, because that's crucial too, because it gives you more of a status um, and hopefully you can start to apply for that additional funding that you might need, which you do need, should I say. Um, and definitely more helpful when you when you go to a business and say that a registered charity no more trying to help you because obviously they're looking for a charity no more and stuff like that how do the interactions go with the people that use your service so say when you go we call them interventions i'm not sure if you're the same but like how do they go would you have a lot of people that would deny help or um we, if, definitely for the ambulance if we need it we'll, we'll get the ambulance service to come out and try to convince them to go with them um, as as in for hostels, if someone says they want to hostel, we'll just take that as their word for yeah. it because we, we won't waste the time booking them into a hostel when they just won't go. Because mm. if they say they won't go, they definitely won't go. Mm. That's the way it works for the homeless people, they definitely won't go. But if someone needs, if someone's bleeding or out or they don't have to be badly assaulted and they refuse help, we'll still call the ambulance, we'll still call the guards, and they might be able to convince them to go with them. But um, sometimes the guards have to call us on board and uh, or the ambulance services call us on board to convince them homeless people because we have more of a relationship with them yeah. than the guard do. So we kind of say, oh, John, like we know you two years, just please go to the hospital and say, right, we'll go up. Um, like, there's been many times where someone has gone in an ambulance up to the hospital and we've had to walk up to the hospital to yeah. make sure that they're still into the hospital, they've actually gone into the hospital. Uh, and then we'll bring food up to them as well while they're in the waiting area as well. Like we get that, I get that like entirely because I find a lot of people um are afraid when you mention the guards. They're like, "Oh my God, I'm in trouble instantly." Um, like but- we had an incident last night where there was a homeless woman about the assault. We we called them um, looking for to get the ambulance service, and basically because any of any of assault that comes into the ambulance service, the guards have to be contacted just in case the attacker is nearby. So basically, she heard over the radio that and uh, the guards were on the way, and basically she just legged it because she had a warrant. Yeah. Um, and that can be sorted. Like the guards are very, very um, easy on them with the homeless people warrants because they know they're going through enough, like, you know, that they don't need to keep the guards knowing them all the time. The guards are very helpful with them, like, and they'd say, just we'll figure something out. Um, but she basically just liked it because she knew the guards were coming. You know? Yeah, and that's that's the thing that, that needs to be sorted as well because, yeah, we get that too an awful lot. Um, whereas the only thing we can do is if we need, if someone needs to be assessed, you know, they, that night we have to bring them to the guards because there's no actual doctor on call. They're available in, in Henry Street in the guard station. So we yeah. have to bring them there. Um, but you could be convincing someone for a half an hour to 40 minutes that that's the reason why like we're bringing you there. Um, but yeah. yes, that's a massive challenge for us. Huge challenge for us that we find. Um, to- I, definitely, I definitely always tell the volunteers um, if you're dealing with kind of a mental health incident that the radio, the radio keeps going off all night Turn before we're on the job. <laughs> Basically, we're off, deal with it, take your time with it. Don't be worried about other incidents. Yeah. Like we have, we have the emergency buttons on the radio that if we did ever get attacked, that you would be unfortunately will have to run if one of us gets attacked. We have to back each other up. But if there's other calls coming in, just take your time with it because I, I find there's a lot of volunteers to kind of push and kind of get through this mental health to quick get them to the hospital. Mm-hmm. Take your time with them because. The person that you're helping, they, like, they can pick up on your body language as yeah. well. And they, they feel that you're not uh, fully like kind of interested or you fully wanting to help them. They, they, they feel more kind of insecure, mm-hmm. definitely feel more anxious. They'll definitely take your time, relax your body language, sit down beside them. Like we've sat on the, like, on the bridge where people yeah. have sat on, like, beside people, like, you know, to talk to them. Relax your body language and definitely uh, try try kind of convince them to go. Yeah. But um, we did, we do, we did start because the response team kind of came in during the lockdown, and we did with all the mental health and addiction courses we done online. So that's something that we looking for the volunteers to do is definitely um, some sort of suicide awareness or suicide prevention course. Assist, that would definitely help. Yeah, assist is probably one of the best ones to be honest. Um, 
I'm not sure where COVID, they'll probably start to open up now again soon. Assist and QPR, they're like one of the best ones to do, but assist is definitely the best. Um, it's got all forms of suicide prevention, ways to speak, ways to talk, ways to um, intervene if you do come across someone that's suicidal, but they're, they're all, they're all um, just kind of shut off because of COVID now. Um, but yeah. they're one of the best ones to do. Majority of our uh, team would be assist trained and, or else they'd have to have QPR training, one or the other. Um, yeah, like definitely. The volunteers, anyway, it's more out of a child, like the volunteers will, like they will be looking on the boardwalk, like why is that fella on his yeah. own on the boardwalk? Why is that fella walking down? Why is that fella looking into the water? Like, and we'll always, we'll always approach them, like we'll, we'll get one person to go over and say, hey, instead of a big gang of us. Because yeah. I know it's kind of sometimes very intimidating when you have a big vest on and you go yeah. over. And, you know what I mean? So kind of we, we do kind of we're kind of working off our own kind of life skills mm-hmm. at the moment. So I want to get the training for mental health in. And do you have a training team in the t- in your team itself? Uh, no training team at the moment. Mm-hmm. So we'll just go. We'll go to other organisations or other um, yeah. companies to get the training. Yeah, that's good. So too. Yeah, we will have a training team within our organisation. So it's a group of team, a group of the guys who patrol, um, and they basically have done up their own ways for it. Uh, intervention so if we ever had to throw a throw bag into the water uh, we practice all our different types of interventions and that way then it's kind of just in your head so you know they're fantastic as well giving up their time to do that but that's easy that's a good way of doing one too because at least you're not really looking for you know funding or um, anything like that well, if, there's, if there's a new if there's a new volunteer coming in and they're kind of like the the, the first aid training and addiction training that we do, basically that won't cover you when you're in the sea center. You're not going to know everything. So you, you kind of have to just work off the instance that you go to. Mm-hmm. So they'll always be with someone that's been in it kind of more than three months anyways. So they know what they're kind of doing and they're kind of, sometimes it takes a while for people to get used to what they're doing. Sometimes they, they just come straight into it. Like we had a fellow that came in last week and he's literally flying, helping people. He's so good at it. And then there's a, a girl, she's in it six months and she's still struggling to talk to home yeah. people, you know. But they will get to know you by name, like even when we're in shopping in the city centre, they're calling us over saying, oh, how are you? Like, so um, they definitely, they'll always remember the help that you gave them as well. But what we want to do as well is we want to link in with other services and definitely we want, we want to come down to you yeah. and kind of see the way you work things and see how what you do different and what we do different mm. and kind of work off each other, you know. We would be delighted and collaboration is key, like to know what other organisations are doing so you can learn and uh, things and do differently. We would be delighted to have you on board um, for sure. Because um, given the homeless crisis in Dublin, yes, Limerick is is bad too, but it's obviously not as high as Dublin. Like Dublin is kind yeah, of... Yeah, definitely, we'd want to see kind of the... When we come down, we, we'd obviously be looking. Uh, we'd obviously be looking at how you still the work you still, but we'd obviously be looking as well at how is the homes prices going yeah. on in there because we are we are based in Dublin, we're, we're focused in Dublin, but we want to we do want to see other parts of the country. I know Cork is particularly bad yeah. for homeless people, and um, so we're going to try find our organisation down there that we will go down as well to Cork mm-hmm. and have a look. And um, Nuri's pretty bad. We've been to Nuri uh, with Nuri helping the homes. That's pretty bad. And then there's. But there's a lot of groups that come up from, come up from the country to Dublin to help. Like there's um, Park Leash, uh, Activism Against Homeless, um, and there's Kalini, there's Kilkenny, there's loads of people that come yeah. to Dublin because Dublin is the main kind of hope for homeless people. Mm-hmm. And definitely people from Athlone or Mayo, they get they come up to Dublin because they know there's so many support, there's so many support yeah. systems up here, you know. Mm-hmm. Like the, this is terrible to say, but like the homeless people in Dublin will never, they'll never starve. They'll, they'll never start this. There's always filled on literally 12 hours a day, like for them, you know. That's There's always soup and stuff. It's just the mental health, the assaults, and the, the beds for the night needs to be sorted as much as the, yeah. the, the food. Yeah, and you know, it's just like what you're saying, anyone that's listening to this now today would probably be like shocked or whatever, but like to us, it's just like, it's just, yeah, we under, we know that this is a thing, like the mental health crisis is just, it's just every day, um, unfortunately, and the, um, unless we can dramatically change that situation overnight, it won't happen, but hopefully in the future we will. But with organisations like us, this is what's going to make a change, you know, um, if, yeah. we, if we can help one person on a, any given night and make sure they're in, they're in getting help rather than being in the water, then that's the main thing for us anyway. Yeah, yeah. and definitely kind of, what we kind of do is try to expose the problems as well. So what we'd be looking at to kind of do and we'll talk to you when we come down to you is kind of making a video 
um, about mental health um, awareness that we could get kind of someone that works in a psych ward, a mental health nurse, a, a mm-hmm. consultant, uh, yourselves, ourselves, maybe one of the guards, maybe one of the ambulance service and combine all into a short, short documentary like myself on RTA. And we have the connections in RTA now, so we could go to RTA and say, could we publish this? And I'm sure they probably, they probably would. Because yes, yeah. um, the, the amount of shares that that video got from just the response team was amazing. So I definitely think that we could do something about mental health that would that would definitely is the problem in Dublin as well. That's, a, yeah, that, that's, inc- <laughs> that's incredible. And like social media has its flaws and it has its positives, but for the likes of that is what it has its positives. And that's kind of the main reason as well why, why we set up this podcast is because people listen to these type of things. And when they listen, nine times out of 10, when I've published this podcast, I will get messages from people saying, oh my God, that guy you had on is incredible. How do I go and donate? How do I go and follow this person, you know? And it's all about word of mouth and collaboration. Well, well even every other organization, they ask me, like, how, how, how do you get so many messages or how do you get so many donations? I always say, hit the, hit the young people because that's the other people that want to donate. Hit all the social medias, um, like all the social media pages. And definitely, I, I find, um, what we find is, like, for the sleep out that we're going to be doing, we will be knocking in the area that we're doing is in Darndale. So we'll be knocking in with leaflets and explaining why we hand the leaflet instead of just throwing a leaflet in the door because people just throw them out. So yeah, if we knock yeah. it, a young, it's a young face explaining what we're doing. They're more inclined to kind of ring up the ring up the number and say, "Yeah, I'll donate these clothes. I'll donate this." Mm. So that's explaining to people uh, that are kind of I think a lot of organisations kind of don't have the time to kind of explain to people on the street what they do. They kind of just hand the leaflet out. So explain what you're doing, and then there are more people are kind of more inclined to ask questions, and that will lead into I have an auntie in the ambulance service, so I have an uncle that runs a business. I have a, a, my wife is a chef; she'll donate tour to meals. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? So mm. definitely explain and educating people. It, it takes a, a lot of time, but yeah, it, it does definitely reward and definitely more success out in the end. I often say to people, like say when I first started volunteering with the suicide prevention team. LTSP my I never told most uh, her, any of my friends to be honest I just went on and did it and uh one day they asked me why did you do it and why why are you doing this you know some people often think you're doing it because oh you've had mental health problems or this that the yeah. other but like that's not always the reason um but what I as you said yourself there you have to educate yourself so if there's some things that you don't understand in this podcast or whatever you then reach out and ask and ask the question and you'll get the answer rather than not knowing and then constantly not uh knowing what to do about a situation um because a lot of people unfortunately it's not like they don't know i feel like they just are blindsided by it and the crisis that's happening and i think definitely anxiety is definitely something that's Mm. that's um that's not kind of looked at as people people think of anxiety as they're going to a new job have book flies or something anxiety can really be affected and it can really kind of affect how you do things during like your daily life like like sometimes you like for example i had to jump off so many buses going to work or going to kind of school like because i just feel like claustrophobic that it can affect you it's not just oh i feel a bit sick or i feel a bit shaky you know that it, it can affect you as much as like depression like you know yeah it's not it, it is deep sadness as well but it's kind of anxiety it can affect you on your day-to-day things like you know Mm -hmm. and so many ways and that's why it's so important that you ask for help visit your gp if you're feeling like that um talk to a family member there's plenty of free services always on this podcast once this episode is released there's numbers for you to go and find if you are struggling from anything we ever talk about on these episodes so like reach out ask for the help and you'll get it not judging people either Mm -hmm. like um because for example we had to get we had a new volunteer come on the fact the girl that was self-harmed the other night, she was kind of she was making jokes to us and like the volunteer was like, How's she making jokes? Why is yeah. she not crying? And we were like, like that's just how she probably deals where it. it's just kind of humor like mm-hmm. um, but it's definitely it's not the person on the bridge that's sobbing into the water that's depressed because there's, there's people out there that run charities and businesses and everything that is depressed that have a smile on their face every day, but the minute they close their bedroom door, they could be in a different kind of state. So definitely not judging people either. Not judging people and just treating everybody as equal, like as the next, because at the end of the day, everyone has a story to tell, um, and it's okay not to be okay. Um, Brandon, the what I like to ask people at the end of these podcast episodes is tell us your proudest achievement to date. 
because it's very important we celebrate um all your small wins in life um so the the t- kind of most recently would you be saying whatever uh, like. <laughs> yeah well, well well the most recently uh i'd say would be obviously getting an rta because i never thought i'd see myself wow. an rta such an achievement uh, yeah, definitely, because walking down the street, people say, there's five more days. That got, like, people text me from, like, all over Ireland about yeah. that, you know, like, that comes to recognise it. Um, definitely, and then, definitely being on RT and then getting the support that we are at the moment from people and reaching out for help in January would be another one, yeah. I thought I'd never reach out for help going through with so many years of being anxious and stuff, and I mm-hmm. never thought I'd get that much support. Um, they kind of coming from people and the services the HSE as well kind of support me as well like they've said to me for example a psychologist say you're always looking after people now we kind of have to look after you yeah. like, you know but but that's it that's exactly it you're a very strong person you're very determined and I just think there's a lot of people um well or people aren't really talking about there's a lot there's a lot of kind of relationships being ended as well because mm-hmm. of mental health because other persons doesn't know how to deal with their partner going through this and stuff like that I definitely think if you if your partner opens up opens up about you about the mental health, definitely educate yourself. Google it, what disorder disorder they have or how they feel, and then kind of have an understanding of it instead of just saying, "Oh, I can't just deal with this." Like, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. No, that's that's an actually a great point to to finish this episode up with because yeah, a lot of people partners don't know how to deal with it, and not even partners but friends. You know, a lot of people are losing close friends because they don't understand what they're going through. And yeah, it's important to reach out. Yeah, definitely. definitely a lot of people that we've talked with mental health issues they haven't found and kind of the people that are intending to jump in the lift. It's definitely been because of relationship breakups yeah. or a lot of friends or betrayal of family, stuff like that. It's definitely, you know, it's relationships, not just kind of romantic relationships, but friendships, friendships and kind of yeah. relationships with people's family. Mm. You know, so it's kind of understanding and kind of tell them that it's okay to reach out for help, you know? definitely that's look they're they're exactly the words that we 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 use all the time ask for help if you're feeling this if you're feeling not right today guys or if you've lost a friend in your life or if you've been betrayed by your family like i know it may sound like it's the end of the world right now but like it really isn't like you're the main if you can't help yourself you're not gonna be able to help anyone else around you definitely not being ashamed either like give a psychiatric board for a week um, obviously it's it's not a nice place to be at all like I always tell that to people um, like it's definitely not a nice place to be I didn't have any contact with my family for a week I, I called I was like I was allowed contact with people obviously I allowed contact with your family but I was too ashamed and even when I was getting a lift to kind of get come home from the psychiatric ward I was too ashamed to see my family like they're going to be ashamed of what I've done like but they weren't like it's mm. definitely not be ashamed of what you're doing like it's just a kind of it, like you have so many years in your life it's just a blip in the road you know exactly it's just a bump in the road and no one yeah. is ever going to be ashamed of you and if they are then they don't deserve your energy um yeah. to be honest but brandon i can't thank you enough for coming on this podcast today because it's going to help us and it's going to help you and it's going to help anyone else that's listening and that's the main thing and we are so excited to have you down with pencil in a date now after this episode um yeah. but i'm delighted you came on board and thanks for taking your time today thanks for listening to limerick treaty suicide prevention's life is for living podcast if you wish to catch us on social media you will find us at treaty suicide prevention over on instagram and facebook we're going to leave you with this episode by closing it with it's okay not to be okay and help is out there you need to make the first move we hope to see you on our next episode Thanks for listening.